What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Moe. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad, indeed, and it's happy holidays the time, to all. But not by the time it is. By, by the, the time. Oh, I mean, it's, like, it's about It'll that be the time. week before. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think so, about that. And it's very much in the season. So right I, I believe that, uh, that counts. We need like some Christmas lights for the mics. Oh, my God. We should have done too that. Too late. Damn it's it. too, man. We should have thought of that sooner. Should have. <laughs> Like a nice little couple of what, stockings. We could have done stockings back here. So unprepared. And we could have done lights on the mics. So unprepared. Man, we suck. <laughs> we do suck. You know what, though? Let's let's fix that real quick. And voila. We have Christmas lights now. Now we're in a festive season. Uh, audio listeners, sorry, you're missing out. But uh, if you jump over to YouTube.com slash team slash C slash team chat podcast, you can watch this video and see this beautiful light display. It's we the quickly magic, threw up. the magic of Christmas, the magic of Christmas and or non-religiously based holidays. There you go. Because <laughs> that's what we're all about celebrating at this time of year here at Team Chat Podcast, a <laughs> weekly video game show where we talk about games, the ones we love, the ones we hate and everything in between like Christmas lights. New episodes come out Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Central Time and you can catch those on podcast services around the World Wide Web as well as watch every episode on YouTube and Twitch. If you want to join us on social media, you can do that as well by finding us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as joining our Discord server. You can find links for all that in the description below. Finally, we are a completely listener-supported show, so if you're really loving what we're doing and producing for you each and every week, you can head over to patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can support the show, and in return, we will give you a cool perk, like getting the episodes early before their general Tuesday release, and access to our private channel on our Discord server, The Rogues Gallery. Indeed. Indeed. Now, as we are here at the holiday season, as we, you now see in all this festive cheer that we have thrown up <laughs> onto our I can't believe you're not drinking here. the world's worst beverage. Eggnog? Eggnog. Oh my it. God, it's so gross. I'm, uh, I'm I would off. literally rather die than drink just eggnog. A, a nice chill fireman's <laughs> four here, but you know, man. I, this is I better than eggnog. eggnog. Gross. You're eggnog's sick. Eggnog's delicious. No, no it thank really you. Is. I'd settle for an Irish coffee or a hot toddy. I'd rather kill myself than ever drink eggnog. Damn. Period. Speaking of hot uh, alcoholic beverages, have you tried the uh, but hot buttered rum at Black Sheep Lodge? No. It's delicious. Oh my God, that sounds awesome. It's really Let's good. go get some French fries and hot buttered mm, rum after this. Oh tots. my God. No, you got to get the tots oh, there. Oh, come on. French fries. Uh, You're a madman. Half, half and half. Split about It's here. amazing we've managed to get keep the show running for <laughs> it's this It's the differences one. that keep it alive. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so because it is almost the holiday season, just as a heads up, this is our last episode for 2018. So we'll be taking a couple weeks off to regroup our hearts and minds and also spend time with our families for the holidays. So uh, we'll be skipping the next two weeks. The first episode will the next episode will come back. It's like what? January 4th? Looking at the count. Going to look at the calendar right now. It's actually going to be. Oh, so it would be January 8th. Eight January eighth oh, yeah, will okay. be the next will be our the new ep, the next new episode coming out. So right on little fib there in the intro where I say each and every week it's not each and every week. We're well, hey, everybody gets only one two break. Weeks we, take off <laughs> we get one break. Come so, on, I mean, yeah, we, we deserve this too. So just so you know, so everyone knows, so for the next two weeks we're like, hey, where Team Chat Podcast go? We didn't go anywhere. We're just taking a little break for a bit. Yeah. So before we jump into our main topic of the day. Let's have a little moment with Mogan. I don't even really need my phone this time because no phone? almost nothing is coming out. But two things either are coming out or came out recently that are very near and dear to my heart. So one of the games that I've been following on Twitter since its like original inception, like concept art stages, 
Grease, so G-R-I-S, the French word for gray, just came out as of this episode's air date, so as of this, excuse me, as of this episode's recording date, which means as of the episode air date, it will have been out for about four days. It's the 13th. So, today. yes, Grease uh, just came out. It's an indie game. It is beautiful. For the love of God, please play it. It looks fantastic. It is very beautiful. Yeah, looking. it's just gorgeous. Uh, as far as what's out now, Firewatch for the Switch, another game that I adore. Uh, I've even been thinking, man, maybe I should like buy it again for Switch, hey, even though I have it. no reason to. Still, though, I, can... I feel like there are certain games that take a, a, a special exception. Like, I almost bit the bullet and bought the physical version of Hellblade that just came out. They just released a couple oh. of weeks ago. I almost did that. Ooh, that sounds but I've nice. spent a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to get my car back up to being street legal, so... Don't want to be driving out illegal. Yeah, old Jonathan the Corolla sure did set me back quite a few dollars Ooh. there. Yeah, car repair. There's, it's like... Car repair is like with video work. If you want to buy new equipment for video stuff, it's never cheap. Nothing's no, cheap. It's never inexpensive. So. It's like, sure, why not? Why so not? I'm on, on a tight budget now, but Grease, not a full price game. Firewatch, also not a full price game. So if you're looking for something here in the tail end of the year to get and you haven't already gotten Smash Ultimate, uh, put your money God. down on some perfect indies, Grease and Firewatch. Very nice, very nice. I th- actually will probably finally pick up Firewatch on Switch. That, I, that seems, I know it's been out, we've talked about it for forever, and I've just been putting it off, but now the Switch seems the the most, the place where I will most likely play it and like have the most fun picking it up and like being able to carry around. I'm never sure how I think you will react to games like Firewatch, but if there were ever a walking sim for you to like, I think it's Firewatch. I'm surprising myself a lot more with the things yeah, that I'm starting to so I'm branching, branching out. out. Really I need am. to like take up Call of Duty or something. I know. If, if you You're, can, like, if I've you had so can much grow growth. and change. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just over here in my pond stagnating. <laughs> Just sticking with all the same old things. You just playing Legend of Dragoon. I guess for the 50th I gotta time. move over to the mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, man. So we're also not going to be having really a Red Dead roundup this week either because one of the things we wanted to do, and hopefully I'll have more time over the holidays to come, to actually play it. So I'll man, come back strong. you better make like 50%. I need to like, I want to find a day, hopefully during this ne- this holiday break and everything, where I just like sit down and do nothing but play games all day. That Get caught up right. on all this stuff. Play like eight hours of Assassin's Creed. Play like you know, whatever's left in the day, 22 hours of Red Dead to like get really caught up with everything. I feel like that's what I need to that get started. That sounds right. But, you know, and then a few smatterings of Smash, of smash yeah. battles, and, you know, make sure my crops are watered in Stardew. Just make some solid, uh, solid thing. Exactly. Speaking of Stardew, did you see my, I know we're going on all kinds of tangents, but it all makes sense here in a second. But did you see my tweet that I sent out this morning? No. Oh my God. Wait, what was it? I was playing Stardew in bed. Last night. As one does. As one does. That's, that's you can its do that natural on the environment. It's perfect. <laughs> the portability of the Switch, you see. <laughs> and, but the problem is, though, because of how relaxing a game that is, started getting the sleepies while playing it. Oh, I did see your post now, now that I think about it. <laughs> so I like the, a brand new day started and I fell asleep. Just one of those quick, like, you're out. Woke up. It was 1220 at night in the game's time. Which means I have like maybe a minute and a half. I mean, yeah, that's not a lot of real life time. To do all the things I needed to do on my farm before the sun, before I would be, uh, I would collapse due to exhaustion. Leroy had just been standing there in front of the farmhouse doing nothing, just being a slacker. Just being a slacker. But I made it to bed at one 
what I say, 150? Yeah. Like, it was close. <laughs> nice. So. You know, I've had it happen to me before where it's literally 150. I think I'm going to make it to my bed. And then in the freaking hallway, I like keel over. And I'm oh like, I'm God. in the house. It should count. <laughs> but it doesn't. It no, doesn't. It doesn't count. They don't care where you are. They're still going to oh, take man. you away, revive you, steal 300 gold, and then set you on You know, in real life, that's something that never happens to me. What passing out in hallways? I, I would hope no, not. I will never fall asleep like doing something. Mm. If I'm playing a game or if I'm reading, even if it's in bed, I will not fall asleep. Granted, it was like midnight real life time yeah. at the same time, so that that could be part of it. I usually don't either. I do, the only other time I feel like I've actually remember falling asleep while playing a video game is the night before Christmas. No, our the uh, Sam and I's wedding actually. Oh, what? I was, <laughs> No, like, or the couple, or like the couple days before or whatever. She was off, like, doing some final prep stuff or, like, staying somewhere. I don't remember why we weren't together, but I was playing <laughs> Grand Theft Auto V, and it wasn't super late at night. And I totally, like, fell asleep in the chair for a little bit. Oh, my gosh. I don't know why. That's, that's something that's just never happened to really? me. Really? Except for maybe if I've been sick. Hmm. Yeah. I that mean, that's the sense. only thing I can think of. And even then, it's like, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I need total just darkness. That I need darkness and silence to be able to actually sleep. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, since it is the end of the year, per usual, we'd like to wrap up the year by having basically our team chat year in review. Not necessarily about the show, but just about our general opinions to kind of just wrap up and close, put a tie a knot on the year, as it were, like you do your presents with the wrapping. You know, I, tr- I had to struggle a little bit more. For yeah. That, for okay. That one, I'll give, I'll, I'll, we'll let it pass. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. So basically this is just our, an open discussion of, uh, between Mogan and I of what we liked, what we didn't like same things we're looking, well, not necessarily things we're looking forward to. That'll be the next episode, the one on the January 8th, which will also be our 150th episode. So it's a great way to start the year. Oh God. I know, a lot of pressure on it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to make it a really good one somehow. Yeah, I know. It. Okay. We'll think of something. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll figure it's, it out. Because Never fear. it's the new year and like the representative of new years is like a baby. Mm. We'll just like kidnap a bunch of babies. That sounds like a terrible And put idea. them as backdrop on the episode. I think it's a really good idea. I don't know how I feel about that. Full one. of good ideas, Jared. No bad ones. I'll give here. you the Christmas lights one, but <laughs> me, no, no, I don't. I, I draw work. the line. We're gonna give them back. We just need them for parents? like one hour. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever met a parent of a newborn, they're happy when they're gone for an hour. Uh, that's true. Exactly. So they can get some sleep. Exactly. Like I did. We'll put them back. They're going to be fine. Yeah, that's probably. True. Maybe. Fender seems like he could take care of some babies. Oh, babies would just cuddle up next to him and sleep. God, Great. He, Henry might try to eat them. Nah, he'd be okay with them. He'd just leave them alone. So to kick it off, where should we begin? I have my list of some things that I wanted to necessarily talk about, like some games that I, like I normally, I feel, one of the things I like to do throughout the year is keep track of all the games that I've completed. So I guess we'll start there. Um, I actually, I felt like at the beginning of this year, I was doing really good. and yeah. was like knocking out some solid games and really trying out some different things. But then I skip, I stagnated pretty hard at like October until now. Yeah, you really like all of these big games that you love came out. And, and I feel like because of their timing, you somehow wound up not being able to play any of them because they're all competing with each other. It's not, and it's not even necessarily that it's, it's life outside that of, too. of, of everything. Work is very, is always gets very busy at the end of the year. And I un, always underestimate how busy it's going to be. And then between that and some other, and some other things like you just I just haven't had as much time I mean as I, I think uh, anecdotally I probably do agree with you that I think I probably 
got a lot more quality play time in terms of just sheer hours, like beginning mid of the year. Mm -hmm. I I will agree with that. Um, I've still been playing a lot. Of course, I never don't play a lot, but I mean, I I still get them, but but like the only thing I've been having time for is like quick one-off things. I haven't had as much, as much time. Thank God for Stardew, am I right? I know, really? Yeah, (laughs) I know. It it really is. Uh, So the games that I completed this year, and these aren't necessarily ones that came out this year. I will obviously, I will note the ones that did come out this year, but these are even games that are like carry over from 2017. Careful, First one I completed this year was Super Mario Odyssey. Okay, but you completed it, completed not that you started it. Not that it. I started okay, These I aren't necessarily you. that I started and completed. These are just, okay. I completed my, my I choked on my spit there because I was like, did 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 Odyssey come out this year? No, and year. I was about to have like, like an October. existential crisis. It was October last year because okay. it came out on the same day as Assassin's Creed Origins. Oh, you're right. Which yeah, was yeah, yeah. the next game I completed. Oh. So there we go. Uh, then I played Wolfenstein the New Order and Wolfenstein the Old Blood. Gosh, really? Mm-hmm. Did you finish those? Yeah. Oh, my God. And I think I started them both this year. Well, okay. I do have to do a caveat on the New Order. The, the world, the universe did not want me to play this game. Because what Wolfenstein? Wolfenstein: The New Order. I bought it originally. I bought it used because I had like a GameStop gift card randomly, and I bought it used at gift at GameStop. Uh, played it, got about not quite halfway through, and it like the disc was like bad, so it didn't work. And I was like, "Well, crap, that sucks." Well, then when Wolfenstein Two came out, they start released a bundle of uh, that was that was uh, the New Order and Old Blood, right? So I bought that for Xbox. I was like, all right, I'll give this another shot. Got to the last mission and my save file corrupted. Oh, bummer. So at that point, I was like, I watched the final mission on YouTube. and was like, fine, Ooh. I completed this game. Did it not have auto saves that you could fall back on? Not that I could find. Really? Yeah. Because, uh, for example, with the Dishonored games. It like, like froze while saving. Oh, so it was that, that kind of like it just like it wouldn't even like pull up a load game to, as an option to do it, it wow like, what a bummer it. i know I because pissed. i mean the the only example i really have to fall back on of like the alternative to that is dishonored where it will auto save a million files right. for you so really kind of at any time outside of your main game you always have an option to fall back on or like just restarting a single mission instead of the whole game which makes sense that for dishonored sucks. yeah but whereas Wolfenstein is first person shooter and there's obviously not as like it has the checkpoints but yeah, yeah I, I don't remember what happened but it's oh, like that sucks. it was I was so mad um, but then yeah Wolfenstein New Order Wolfenstein Old the Wolf Blood then God of War for PS4 that all that one did come out and I did complete this year uh, Horizon Zero Dawn the Frozen Wilds Far Cry 5 also another one that came out this year Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze I can't believe that that game came out this year. God, it was so fun. Like, that's one of the ones where my mental timing is so off. It came I'm back like, out in May, something like that? Yeah, it came yeah, out it did, like March or May. It, I bought it. We were in New York City in May when it came out, and I bought it at the Nintendo Store in New York. In, in, uh, that's just Not wild. Times Square. In Rockefeller Center. That's crazy. Uh, then uh, we have Overcooked 2 for PS4. Also came out this year. Uh, we are, though, still in progress on the DLC for that one. So just the main story we've completed. Very nice. Hellblade Cinema's Sacrifice. Guacamelee 2, Life is Strange 2, Episode 1. So I'm still working through, though, from this year. Like I said, Red Dead 2, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Stardew Valley, Hollow Knight, and Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. So you actually just kind of brought up a tangential topic that I did actually have knocking around in my mind that I wanted to talk about. Life is Strange. Yeah. So Life is Strange 2 came out this year, of Mm -hmm. course, in what? September. September. Late September, late the 27th. And we both played basically the entire first episode, like right when it came out, and we both finished it. And I I should have included on this list... uh, 
awesome adventures of Captain Spirit. Oh yeah, of course. Technically they are. Technically like Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So of course, with the original Life is Strange, Jared and I both played it when all of the episodes had already been completed. So we got to go from one to the other in rapid succession. Now that I know firsthand what episodic gaming really feels like, I agree with my original thought. I hate it. Oh, yeah. Because every time somebody mentions Life is Strange 2, my immediate thought is, oh, yeah, I played that game. It, the amount of time that it takes for especially in today's like media environment where mm. you're just being bombarded with new games, new movies, new books all the time, all the time, all the time. It is so easy to get derailed from something that you were really excited about. So even though I am still super excited to continue with Life is Strange 2, the fact that there's this months long gap between when episodes come out, I don't think is helping it. I Mm -hmm. think it's a bad way to do games. If it were like month to month, Okay, that's kind or of something like to look bi-weekly. forward to. Like every two weeks or bi-weekly. Or like but it's now been, what, three months? Yeah. And the next episode... Is still, we don't know. Uh, we don't know the date even. I think maybe January. I don't, I, I hate it. I don't yeah. like that at I all. Really, I, I think it's bad for the player mindset. And I think that because of that, it's bad for the game. I don't like this this format. It honestly makes me feel like I need to replay episode one again. Exactly. But also, I don't want to have to do that when it's episode five and yeah. have to replay episode one through four yeah, again. exactly. Like, it just reinforces my mindset of, I'll just wait. Yeah. I'll just wait for the whole thing to be done, and then I'll go back and play it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't think I will do that, but I just don't think episode episodic gaming format with this sort of release date time frame is a good thing for anyone. I do not like it well, I mean, at all. If it's any, I know there were other things behind the scenes happening that led to this, but the biggest pusher of that type of game telltale is now no more. So, Oh yeah. If that has any, indication. gosh, I, I know there was bad management stuff there too, yeah. but also like that's what they Wait, built. Was telltale in charge of, they like, were, sh- no, they were walking dead. Uh, Tales from the Borderlands. Oh, right. They were just episodic games. One of yeah. the more All, prominent they members only of made, episodic, like, episodic games. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Is, and okay. Obviously, there so, was bad management things that, other than that happening behind the scenes, but maybe that had an impact? Yeah, actually, I kind of agree with you. Maybe that is some sort of indicator of the relative health or lack thereof of the episodic gaming format. Granted, and, that's just an idea off yeah. the top of my head that just came to me. I don't know. I, like There's it, no, I have done no research behind that. That's fine. Uh, I, I think that I could certainly... If I did a little bit more thought into it, I could probably get behind that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if episodic gaming as a format died today, I'd be perfectly fine with that. Well, as another example, uh, Hitman. Uh, Hitman? Not not the original Hitman game. You may not know this, but uh, Hitman is the spiritual success for, successor to Pikmin. Pikmin? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Olimar and the same, Agent 47. The same, <laughs> same game. <laughs> <laughs> but so the, basically the, re, the reboot of the, of, the, uh, of the Hitman franchise that came out a couple of years ago, it was episodic. And then they released later, it, they released a Game of the Year edition that had the whole thing. Well, now they just released Hitman 2, and it's not episodic. So again, that's I what th- I'm I saying. Like it, yeah. Episodic gaming. I mean, as an experiment, I like that game. That the gaming industry occasionally tries new things, but I feel like episodic gaming does not work. I don't like it. It needs I think, to be a tighter schedule. Yeah, exactly. It could work if it was a tighter schedule, right? But this several, yeah, like you said, three Hell plus no. months of, uh, in between. No. And I mean, considering the amount of actual play hours that are really realistically put into each episode of Life is Strange. Even a one-week schedule, I think, wouldn't be that bad of a thing. Yeah, because, I mean, it's 
I assume that they do this. It's not. I don't feel like they're sitting with the game finished right now. You know? That, I don't know. I feel like they are. I feel like they're just looking at it, like on their shelf. But and they're that, like, man, that just makes no sense. Any day now. No, you're right. I, I do agree you know? with you. I was just joking there. So maybe, maybe they do it that way just to allow more development time, but also just push the delay the game until it's done. Have episode one launch one week. And then quit very soon thereafter release the remaining episodes. I think that would be the best way I to mean, go. I mean, aside from things like bug fixes or very mild changes to gameplay mechanics, surely they already have the entire story thought out. Oh, yeah. How many more changes could there really in be? All, and in this day and age with patches and all that stuff, people don't give a crap about launch day bugs because it still happens every yeah. you know, You know, every game, something happens almost. Exactly. There are obviously exceptions, but still. Um, so what would be something from this year that you were most excited about. Like, I, I want to save our game of the year picks, although I'm assuming most people can probably guess them if they have been listening to the show for any amount of time. But what is, what were some things that you particularly liked about this? Year? So I am going to kind of leave my top three as it were off for right now. And I'm just going to kind of briefly go through some of the games that I know I finished. Mm-hmm. My memory capacity is actually very limited. And I feel like I forget stuff that I played all the time, which is kind of uh, not a good thing in any way, shape, or form. But some of the games that I did play that I kind of had not bad feelings, but medium feelings on would, of course, be Fee, which you may remember came out in, like, what, February? Yeah, it was very early in the year. That sounds about right. would be Fee, uh, Gone Home, which is not a new game at all, but that I did play in its entirety. I finished, finally, The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, as we discussed, and maybe a couple of other smaller games sprinkled around in there. Uh, And of those, of what I would consider to be the more peripheral games, I think Fee was probably one of the ones that I liked the most. Really? So Fee was in no way, shape, or form a perfect game. Uh, For anyone that doesn't know by this time, Fee is an indie coming from Sweden? Norway? Sweden. Was it Sweden? Uh, Zoink Games. Isn't that the developer? Mm -hmm. Uh, And it is a very unique artistic style featuring this little like fox type creature that's not really any real animal. It's just kind of its own thing. And you just sort of go through this semi-open world. Not really. They're kind of more contained levels. And you're trying to figure out the mystery, I suppose, of this strange, hostile presence of these stone giants that trap other animals and creatures in game and sort of transport them to God knows where. Mm -hmm. And as an actual game, I will say that I thought there were a number of things that I didn't particularly like about Fee. Uh, The gameplay, at least on Switch, was particularly prone to stuttering. Mm. Uh, I guess maybe it just could be the Switch. It could be the fact that the hardware for Switch doesn't have the, unfortunately, doesn't have the capacity to be able to run that game in a very smooth manner. But I noticed a lot of stuttering. Sometimes the gameplay mechanics would be really clonky. You'd think you were going one way, and then it kind of like cuts you off, and you're like, well, shit, now I got to go all the way back up this mountain that I just fell off of because it's a platformer primarily, which was certainly frustrating. But the overall impression that I got from Fee was very good. It was kind of like a um, bittersweet mystery. And there were parts of Fee that will like be considered 
top gaming moments of my year for sure. Uh, kind of early on in the game, you get to this point, I think we talked about it when the game came out, where you are essentially ascending up and up and up a living creature that oh, is yeah, just yeah. a colossal size. That moment was fantastic in the game. And the final act of the game, which I don't want to give too much away because it is still very much new in context, uh, the final act of the game where you are essentially... Uh, I'll say like metaphorically ascending the final tower Mm -hmm. is very fantastic and very impactful. The ending itself, so-so. But the lead up to that, very on point. And I really liked it a lot. Nice. Gone Home, the lesbian surprise you didn't see coming. I was like, whoa, lesbians, (laughs) they got me. (laughs) Super charming, a fantastic narrative. And considering that Gone Home is actually one of the OG walking sims, I see where a lot of the, I suppose, influence came into play for later walking sims like Firewatch. So I think that as a whole, I've had a very interesting year in gaming, uh, perforated, or not but punctuated is the right word, punctuated by a couple of, um, of course, recurring hits. Like, for example, I still pumped a lot of time into Overwatch. Right. Honestly, right. same. Like I've been, I've still been keeping up with Overwatch throughout the year. Which their Christmas, uh, I know event is the going holiday right event is on right now. Everybody, did you hear though that they tried to make um, what's it called, uh, Blizzard World? So they of course oh, yeah, holidayified Wizard, not Wizard World, Blizzard World, and uh, apparently that kind of like broke the game. So they had to temporarily like not offer Blizzard World as a map. I think because it's like it's locking people in the spawn room. Yeah, it's totally broken. I actually don't know as of now if they fixed it or not. Uh, so just uh, so from Mogan's list of what she was talking about, I wanted to go ahead if people wanted to go back and listen to some of this stuff. Um, Mogan's. T- because uh, I think I did it. a review of Fee. You did. It would have been like there we go. March. Um, episode 107. Uh, let's talk about For Honor and Fee. So you can go back and listen to that one. Again, whoa, that's whoa, episode whoa. 107. We talked about For Honor this year? That was like my final thing because the oh, game came like out in like February up? and so I this one came you. out in February. When did it actually we published? Yeah, nine months ago. Oh my god! Uh, and that's when I like kind of finally gave my final like wrap up of it. Uh, Gone, your review of Gone Home was much more recent. Very recent. Uh, it was episode 142. Uh, Gone Home and Red Dead Redemption 2. I played it as my uh, Halloween game because of the atmosphere. That's right. Turns out it was just adorable lesbians. We, sk- we skipped like, our... The lesbians tricked me again. <laughs> We skipped our uh, traditional (laughs) horror game episode to focus because Red Dead had come out that week, and then, yeah, you wanted to talk about uh, Gone Home Action. So, yeah, go back and listen to those. Again, episodes 107 and 142. Let's see. What would be some of my bigger moments of things? I guess I didn't necessarily put together a top three, but of of these things, I feel like the one big difference that I really really changed for me this year is how much I took some chances on things. I expl- I feel like I explored indies better, which Good. I really was kind of a goal of mine this because year. Because you played Guacamelee this year? Guacamelee 2. Ah, right. Yeah. Guacamelee I played several years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, and then, yeah, so Guacamelee 2 for one. Overcooked 2, obviously, like, I knew from those games, from the original games of those series, I knew I would like the sequels, so that's why I went with those. But, you know, Stardew Valley on paper would be something I did not think I would like. And, and yet, I, I and yet. really enjoy it. I've been dabbling in Hollow Knight. So we've actually had a pretty uh, fun conversation on Discord between uh, Brandon and then our and then Fuchsia and some other people who have played the game into our various 
degrees of completion and where we sit in the game and how difficult it, for the it majority can be. of people like five percent <laughs> for just like maybe bro mogan yeah <laughs> like 90 percent there at the completion uh, <laughs> co- close to the completion there and then i've just dabbled a few more things i feel like i've just and that's been a lot of fun to explore some of these smaller games that i feel like i've in the past years past jarrett would not have uh, would not have and i feel I like agree. i am forgetting a few a few more that i've dabbled in i just feel like with the switch aspect oh playing i know i haven't got to the full game yet but playing the demo at least in the full completing the full three-hour demo of octopath traveler jrpgs i've said many times oh, are not my, my cup of tea i have tried them before one that i remember trying spending a few hours in is freedom wars on the vita freedom what the hell? It was a fun, was like, combat game. But oh, it, okay. And everything. You're like this. It's like you're, I'm trying to remember. You're a prisoner, and you have, like, basically a billion year sentence. And then you can complete these uh, tasks and things that will, and missions for the government that basically take years off your sentence. But it's like the tiniest slip ups and mess ups outside of these missions. And you get more sentences, years added back onto your sentence. So I played that for a few. One, I liked it. I just didn't. I liked like the kind of the combat with it. It just, I don't know, just didn't grab me. So I was surprised how much I enjoyed Octopath Traveler. Right. And I would eventually like to get around to playing the whole thing. Again, I know that's a massive undertaking, and I have some other big games like I can't even plan or think about wanting to start that until I've at least gone through Red Dead Two. See, what's interesting is Octopath Traveler. I feel has such a perfect positioning to maintain its relevance because it didn't go with the newest and best graphics right because octopath chose to go with this more um i want i'm putting this in like air quotes here traditional pixelated style Mm -hmm. that obviously has a ton of staying power i mean there are still games from the game boy advance like golden sun which were in that 16-bit top-down pixel style that still hold up fantastically it taps into that nostalgia factor exactly and octopath traveler kind of took that same sort of graphic uh, artistic style and just updated it for the new day. And I think it's such a good choice mm-hmm. because it makes the game feel like it has a quality of timelessness. So I feel like even if you wait a few years to play Octopath, it will still be amazing. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely so. Um, so, yeah, so that's been a lot of fun. I have enjoyed also this year getting into, as has everyone else, jumping really more into the Battle Royale genre of games and, and, and not playing I, that out. good sir. Um, I do believe. <laughs> Except for during the Game Awards. Not the Game Awards. Extra Life. Extra Life. You loved Fortnite of what you I played. did that one time, but like, I've gone, again. no. I, it's like, it's okay. Yeah. I tried to play it a couple more times. So you tried to branch out. And I was kind of bored. Yeah. Like, eventually, I just realized. I mean, this is kind of fun, but it's not really the game style for me. I found it boring until I bought the Battle Pass. Ah. Because when you buy the Battle Pass, it unlocks all these challenges for you to do every week of each season. And that added so much more, like, so much more uh, drive for me to come back to the game and play outside. And I would just play rounds. Didn't care if I wasn't trying to win. I was just trying to complete challenges and that made it fun and added a little bit more of a replayability factor for me. Uh, But then I've also been playing a lot of blackout for the call of duty, black ops fours battle Royale mode. I've been doing playing a lot of that and everything. Obviously, as you can see, we added a Fortnite llama here. We sure do to our, uh, to our, to our desk. Again, video listeners or audio listeners, you're messing out a little bit here. So you can see our fun studio set we got up here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I've really enjoyed getting into that games as well, uh, those and exploring that new genre as well. Um, what would be one of the, a surprise for you from this last year? 
And, and again, like this is our personal year interview. Like we are obviously talking about something about things that and events that happened in 2018, but we could also say like talk about like for example, my I won't get into it yet. I'll let you answer the question first. But my surprise it w- was a game from you know, not from this year that I just happened to play this year. Stardew Valley. Well, that's because yes. that's my. I mean, so this is one of the games that, that one, I did I list as like my top three of the year. I actually like Stardew here in the final act of 2018 made that list because it shot itself up so high mm-hmm. in my personal lexicon of games. I think Stardew Valley is the one that I was the most surprised by. Nice. Uh, just in terms of how many sheer hours I've already put into it, I think at last count I was already over 65 hours. I don't know how many you've put into it. Not that many. I'm pretty far along. Uh, and, you know, I know people who have put 200 plus hours and into Stardew. And it's a Stardew. very easy game to and see how. And it's such an easy game to do that kind of commitment commitment with. Because the beauty of Stardew is it it's a unique ability to trick you into thinking that not that much time has passed. Oh, yeah. Because it works on that really condensed day schedule in-game. It, it makes you feel like, oh, I've only completed one day. Mm-hmm. That's nothing. I've only completed two days. That's nothing. I've only completed three days. I've got to at least get through the rest of the week in Stardew time. And then like seven hours later, you're like, wow, I haven't done anything in my real life. And I made my dinner five hours ago and forgot about it. Whoops. So the fact that Stardew just manages to really get its claws into you in terms of addictive games it's very impressive it sticks with me and it grabs me like civilization does oh yeah absolutely. civilization i obviously i love that series but it's one that i know i can't i have to be very selective of when i play it because i'm <laughs> going to be sitting there for a few hours and no other game really has that ab- that same ability on me Unlike how Stardew Valley does, so yeah. I would agree. Stardew Valley was a huge surprise, and how fantastic, and how uh, engaging of a game that is. I will say that as of this episode's record date, uh, it just recently came out. I haven't been able to try it out yet. Is the online multiplayer oh, right. for Stardew? Same. I haven't had I have, a chance to play it. Yeah, I haven't been able to actually circle back and try that, but I'm really looking forward to it when we eventually do. Yeah. However, I don't think I'm gonna like be accepting a bunch of gifts from other people who are further along because that somehow makes you feel like you did less work. It's like, no, I want to make my farm wonderful on my own. Right now, Gosh. I should be able to give people just like raw fruits and vegetables. There you go. Just like <laughs> Maybe give some me- eggs. I give a lot of mayonnaise. Yeah. I give a lot of mayonnaise. Yeah, I can too. Actually, what I really need are earth crystals to make more mm. may- uh, mayo machines. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah Because yeah. if I had eight... My day would be so much easier. I know, because mayonnaise actually takes a long time to and make. And earth crystals are kind of hard to find. They are. Yeah, so online people, give me your earth crystals and nothing else, just the earth just crystals. The earth <laughs> so yeah, I would say that Stardew was easily one of the highlights of my year in gaming, miraculously, over just like a month. Uh, and I think I will probably continue to play it well into 2019. Nice. Same. Same for me. Um, I actually think I'll save the one I was going to talk about because it was more in line to... I don't want to get into our favorites of the year quite yet. So I think I'll save that one a little bit also. Um, and also I talked about how Stardew was kind of a surprise for me as well. Uh, what would be one of your biggest disappointments from the year? It could be an, uh, an announcement, something that happened in the gaming industry, a game that you thought you were going to love but didn't. What 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 kind of hits hits yeah, that mark for you? It's a real mixed bag because on the one hand, I know exactly what I'm going to say, by the way. On the one hand, I did not 
dislike it, but I also didn't love it as much as I assumed I would. It would be Night in the Woods. Oh, yeah. So I uh, played and completed Night in the Woods actually right around the time of Halloween. It was kind of my pre-Halloween game because, again, this is another indie. I think it came out sooner than 2018, but it made its way to Switch in 2018. Mm-hmm. This is episode 140 where she talks about it. Yeah, so this was really recently in terms of like the show's lifespan. Mm-hmm. So Night in the Woods, based on the premise and the art style and the pitch... I thought I would love it. I thought I would be obsessed with it. I liked it, but I did not love it. Mm -hmm. And there are two key reasons that I think I didn't attach myself to it as much as I thought I would. A, I did really find the main character of May to be profoundly unlikable. I mean, I tried to like feel for her and I think they did a better job of fleshing out her character in kind of the game's final act than they did in the beginning portions. But even so, I found May quite hard to like. Mm -hmm. Um, I really, I liked a lot of the um, non-playable characters a lot more. And I loved the environment that Night in the Woods tried to build uh, in terms of the town of Possum Springs. I think it's a really interesting reflection of a very modern problem of these sort of smaller, previous Previously highly industrial towns being hollowed out because industry is no longer there. People have to leave just to find jobs and you're finding this decay of culture. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting and I really liked that aspect of the game. But the actual gameplay, I found a little lacking. Uh, it was kind of a little, not necessarily boring, but a little tedious at times. Um, the fact that I couldn't make May run any faster. I was like, yeah. why not? Why can't I run? It's like the thing <laughs> that I've been seeing pop up in, on memes everywhere is, the, you know, there's a special place in hell for developers who make NPCs walk fat just slower than you can than you can walk, run, or, you know, whatever that is. Where yeah. it's basically like, you're, there's never a good speed. There's never a good speed. And I felt like May's, inter- May's fixed walking speed, I was just like, oh my god, go fast! Like, I was very (laughs) trying to play this game. But I can't say that I blame the developers at all for that because I think part of the point of Night in the Woods is it's a slower pace. The town itself is slower paced. It's a small town. Where I think the game really almost hooked me but lost me is the fact that at the very end, so this is a little bit, it's very spoilery, at the very end of Night in the Woods, The, as it turns out, all of the air quotes ghosts that you've been seeing around town, all the spooky things that have been happening, which there weren't many of, to Mm -hmm. be honest. There were only a few instances of things being creepy, which I feel like I was sold all night in the woods being more of a creepy game. And in the end, it really kind of wasn't. So that's part of the reason I kind of have a grudge against it. But at the very end, as it turns out, the reason for the few creepy things that have has happened is that there's a cult in town of people who believe that some sort of cosmic god or being or some sort of entity, they think that this thing lives at the bottom of their ancient mine shaft. And they believe that if they feed it sacrifices, i.e. live humans, that it will revive their town. 
That is such a good idea mm-hmm. that they could have made amazing. I mean, get it? Amazing. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> they, could have. Uh, they could have made that amazing. Yeah. Uh, the idea of a decaying American town kind of on its last legs in terms of are people still going to live there? Is it going to become a ghost town? The idea that around this anxiety of seeing your town die, a cult would rise up and human sacrifices would happen and there may or may not be a real god at the bottom of a mine shaft that's fascinating yeah. stuff and i so wish that there had been a lot more of that i wish that that had just been part one of a two-part story mm-hmm. i wish that night in the woods had continued with that vein and unfortunately it didn't and i feel like i personally lost a lot of my interest level because that was not more expanded. You thought upon. it was going somewhere and then just dropped it. I felt like it had so much potential to really go somewhere into like eldritch horror territory, mm-hmm. which are very much the overtones that it was trying to convey. And then it just like didn't. It just didn't go there as much as I wanted it to. And I was very disappointed by that. Yeah. So even though I do like Night in the Woods, and I would recommend it to some people, I wouldn't recommend it for everyone. Yeah. And I think that if given the chance to play it again, I might. I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. So that's kind of my feelings on Night in the Woods. I like it for what it is, but I feel like it could have been so much more. Interesting. Interesting. Come on, Night in the Woods developers. I don't know who you are. I forget. Take another chance on your, whatever yeah. your next game is. Try again. Night in the Woods 2. Expand on that. Uh, for me, I would say my biggest disappointment... I mean, my biggest disappointment overall is that we still don't know when The Last of Us Part 2 is coming out. Can I take guesses? I want to take wild guesses. Sure. O- outside of The Last of Us Part 2, we still don't know when it's coming out, and that still bumps me out. So, so Red Dead 2. No. Bummer. Man, I thought I had you. Um, I'm not looking at your notes. Talked about it a lot. Destiny 2. No. Although, Damn actually, <laughs> that was kind of, that was a 2017 game, and I already knew by yeah, the end of 2017 I, I was not going to like that game. The uh, the DLC for Horizon Zero Dawn? Nope. Dang it. Okay, You're I don't jumping know. all around Yeah, it. I don't know. Sorry. Far Cry 5. Oh, duh. I knew that. Man. I wanted to love that game, especially because of how much... And we, we've talked about this in length, so I won't belabor the point, but I loved the idea and the concept. It's it's pretty much what you were saying about Night in the Woods with the cult. I mean, it's exactly the Who same. Who doesn't it's a cult. love cults? Am I right? Really? What a sure. fun topic oh, for yeah. everyone that's not in the cult. <laughs> and it could really have an interesting, you can always build some interesting stories around that. And that's what Far Cry 5 looked like it was going to do. It looked like it was going to be making a statement considering the current political climate in America. The fact that it was actually taking place in America. The fact that it was taking place in the American West, basically, you know, Hope County, Montana. Not even the West, like the Midwest. Yeah. Because Montana... The breadbasket, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe not in Montana, but like in that general area, you get the idea. You get the idea. <laughs> it's like Americana at heart, mm. basically. And so they're showing like that the evil that can rise from that, which that sounds so much evil. <laughs> you know, that sounds like there could be a lot to do there. I just feel like they flubbed the execution. the The story was very convoluted and really never pushed the point you thought they were going to be making. The villains were very bland put it lightly they were very there was a a moment in this one like i said they were they none of them like they had this different thing like there was uh john seed who was the propaganda guy basically for the cult there was faith seed who was the brainwasher like she produced the drug that allowed the cult to control people's minds then there was local pharmacist yeah then there was jacobstone who was the you know the the 
the muscle, the, the muscle, the general. He trained the soldiers and all that stuff. The Mussolini of the <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so there was, and then obviously there was the father who Joseph Seed, who you knew was like, oh, he's the big bad. He's in charge of it all, and you felt like they really could have done something there. But then with the very poorly executed system where the where the villains would capture you, monologue at you, and then you escape. But then each villain was able to recapture you, monologue at you, and let you escape three times oh my God, before no. you finally did the final mission where you were able to defeat them. No. And so the one thing where I thought that story could have taken a little bit of turn, which slight spoilers here for everyone. Uh, yeah, it's actually kind of big spoilers. But so you're warned. Take your, you know, unplug your headphones, whatever. Pause, skip ahead. Uh, that there was, I felt like there could have been more area for the story to grow in the fact that Joseph, John, Joseph, and Jacob were all brothers. Faith, even though they called her their sister, was not actually from their family. She was someone who they kind of took in in the cult, and then, and as, and then she grew in power in there. When you're fighting her, she at the end of the battle with her, as you're about to kill her, starts like saying, "Like I'm not one of them." Like when she can tell she's she's losing in all this. I would have thought it would have been way more cool of a story point for you to not kill Faith. And her join you basically, but then or kind of act as like your person on the inside in the cult. I feel like that could have taken a much more dramatic turn for the story, and then maybe even had a plot point where Joseph C then has to kill her. Alternatively, I think I like where you're going with that. I think it would have also been cool for her to fake you out, as it were, and to say, that "Oh, I'm not awesome one of too. them. They, you know, recruited me into their cult, but I don't really want to be here." But then for her to eventually betray you at the end, oh man, that I would like, have been cool. Yeah, also. thinking outside the box. I and like so it. I feel like, and so no, all the villains felt very blind. The father was the only one who had the most sinister feel to him, and actually did genuinely have some sinisterness. Even though I feel like sometimes it was a little overplayed how sinister they were trying to make him. I well, am you know glad men, that he is coming. So overdramatic. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that they're bringing him back for the sequel, Far Cry Five: New Dawn, or Far Cry New Dawn, that was just announced at the Game Awards. That is exciting to me, and characters from Far Cry Five will be coming back for that game as well. That is exciting to me. But as overall, what they I felt like the messaging and what the story they were trying to push just fell completely flat. The second disappointment that I feel a close follow up to this one in the fact that I started it and have and already got off of it and really don't have a desire to go back to it is even though I had a lot of high hopes for the game is we happy few. Oh yeah. I forgot. I really did want to play that one. Did you start it? I started it, played several hours into the game, uh, because it was all about, I was doing it specifically because we were going to, we were possibly going to do a first impression of it. Right. And I kind of just stopped. Yeah. It felt, I wanted to play it a lot because of its Bioshock vibes, which, because the atmosphere and everything like was going to be great. It had some really great moments in the beginning of the game. But then as you got kind of outside of the main introductory plot line and got more into the story, it kind of just fell bland. That's unfortunate. So, and I, put it down and just haven't got back around to it. And I don't know if I will. I mean, sometimes that's just how it works with the game. That's unfortunate because we happy few looked like it had again, a lot of potential, but sometimes it just doesn't work out in the execution. What can you do? What can you do indeed? Now, before we jump to our favorites, which we had a couple categories there that we'll throw one more that I just want to do a quick rapid fire answer on. What do you think was the biggest controversy of the year? I have three. The biggest controversy? Yeah. Like in gaming. I have three that I've thought of. And if you think of anything else or if 
you know, listeners, if you think of anything else, anyone like send us a note at teamchatpodcast.gmail.com or comment below on all the things that we could, that we, I might've missed, but I have three, the shutting of telltale and Ooh, how they yeah. handled that. Yeah. Rockstar and their crunch time that show that popped up at the end. Yeah. And then the release and subsequent PR disaster of fallout 76, Ooh, man, I got to say fallout 76. Really? Like that's really kind of the only one that I could think of off the top of my head. And that's why I'm citing it as what I would believe to be at least in my own mind, the biggest controversy and man, it has really like continued yeah, to be just a shit show. And I did recently kind of do a little bit more research into why it might be so bad. So of course our old pal, Todd Howard, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody's friend. Uh, It is worth noting that he's not really one of the people that is responsible for this whole debacle. He's high up. He's He's high up. So he's not totally devoid of culpability. Mm -hmm. But there's another guy who was really like the, the showrunner for Fallout 76. And regrettably, I cannot remember his name at this time. Yeah, you look it up. But I think he's fairly well known as being a personality in the gaming industry that is very my way or the highway. He's big into advocating for aggressive microtransactions. And he's one of the people that worked on Fallout 76 at a very high level. I don't remember his name, but I could see, I like I can picture his face in my mind. He's a lot taller than Todd Howard. Todd Howard, he's a small man in case you don't know. But this guy, man, I don't remember his name. We might have to like make an addendum to this post, but yeah, I'll have to look it up and I'll, I'll add it in later. Once I, I, find I know it I could find I it if I looked myself. I know. This, but yeah, I'll add, I'll add that. But, in later. So th- All right. I'm going to jump in here real quick just to fill in the blanks here. The executive from Bethesda that Mogan is talking about is Pete Hines. The point being, um, I think a lot of Fallout 76's problems on launch, maybe they will fix them in the future, maybe not, are that it had a ton of interference from a high corporate level that was primarily geared towards nothing but profit, Hmm. which of course games have to be profitable to survive. I understand that. But that doesn't mean that you can't derail the profitability of a game with nothing but drive for profit. Yep. I know that's very like double speaky, but that's kind of what my point is. So yeah. Fallout 76. Boy, they really done fucked it up. Yeah, they did. Uh, for me, though, I got to think, I think I got to go with the shutting of Telltale. Uh, yeah, I think that was that one pretty for me, scandalous. More because of how t- poorly oh, employees were treated at, at the close of that one. Terrible. Uh, you know, the Rockstar one, if the allegations that were made there were true. Yeah, that's pretty bad too. Uh, as far as the, the forced crunch and all that stuff that, you know, there's never been a conclusive was there actually or not for that one. You know, obviously people there are saying, no, I've never been forced to work, you know, work more than I've needed to every week. You know, Dan Hauser, the writer and uh, one of the head writers for red dead redemption Two, He came out saying that like, I do this and the writing team does this when we feel it's necessary, but we've never required it to be fair. Obviously, though, other people though, on the outside have then said who've worked there before, but said, uh, yeah, I crunched a lot. And to so, be fair with the guy that you just mentioned, he's a really high level dude, mm-hmm. high level people. I'm not saying they're liars per se, but they will defend their company right. because they're defending their own jobs. Mm-hmm. You cannot always say what you actually mean in the public eye. And I think it's laughable for someone to say that crunch doesn't happen when we all know it does. Right. Uh, but still though, telltale, I think takes that one for me because not only in how, 
shittily, really, that they handled the, the, the shutdown. Good, good employees, verb usage there. Employees Wait, had, my bad. Yeah. Em- employees really had no notice. They were let go without severance. And then even after all this happened and there was this outcry from the games industry as a whole about like, hey, like you're really treating your employees terribly, their still main focus seemed to be more on getting the final episode of The Walking Dead final season out the door rather than taking care of their employees. And I think for that on and of itself, that one for me is the biggest controversy. Of the last, and of it's the like, last year. dude, you're already shutting down. Just give your employees severance packages. Yep. Well, how much money are you really going to make with this in the wake of all the scandal? Probably I mean, not that much. Yeah, I bet they'll still make. I a mean, good I'm amount. sure they probably did still make some money, but you know, it's just unethical business practices right. ultimately. All right, well, let's jump now to our favorites. So well, I, I got two things. Obviously, our favorite game of the year, but then obviously, like one of our other favorite things with gaming in general, favorite soundtrack. Oh, man, I didn't prepare for this. All right, I'll go Shit. first. Then. I'll okay, go first and yeah, give you, you time to think. You, you say stuff. <laughs> I've got three, I think. Uh, number one, or actually, no, I'll do it this way. Number three, Octopath Traveler. It's fantastic. Yes. It's so good. Okay. I was listening to it again today as I was working. It's great. So real quick, I do just want to go on ahead and be very upfront so that we're not overlapping too much. Octopath Traveler is my gaming highlight of the year. Oh, oh. Octopath Traveler is my number one. A big part in of that soundtrack in, in, or in everything. everything. Okay, in everything. A big part of that is the soundtrack. But go on. So even for not having played the game, which for me normally a big part of playing the game of enjoying the soundtrack and really loving the soundtrack is playing the game See, and I hearing can it with perfectly it. Perfectly separate those two things. But with this with this instance, yeah, Octopath Traveler soundtrack is fantastic. It's so good. My number two, Far Cry Five. Even though the game was not the greatest, the soundtrack, oh, so good. What a shame. What a shame to like marry a wonderful soundtrack to a shitty game. Right. It, it really is. Uh, and so, uh, but then obviously my top, God of War, Bear McCreary, got to say it again, fantastic job on that soundtrack. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I haven't played God of War personally, as you know. Mm-hmm. The likelihood that I ever will is low, to say the least. No, it's pretty damn good. I, I, I mean, it looks amazing. Maybe someday, years from now, but for the near future, I probably will not play it. But I also can enjoy the soundtrack to my heart's content. Oh, yeah, because it is a damn good one. So outside of Octopath Traveler, what do you think your highlights of soundtrack are? So my other one in terms of soundtrack would be I do, I you know, I haven't personally played it. Um, I've only really seen other people play it, <clears throat> Bro Mogan, and or heard other people talk about it. But the Hollow Knight soundtrack... Oh, it is good. I have listened to that one. Absolute perfection. And Dead Cells. Oh, yeah, Dead Cells. Another good one. I mean, they are just like next level perfection. Octopath has a wonderful soundtrack. Hollow Knight is amazing. Celeste has some killer tracks on there. So it's Dead Cells. They're all really good. I feel like one of the key... Also, those are solid indie games. Yeah, actually, so I was going to say, I think one of the key uh, hooks of a lot of indies these days is that they are somehow managing to find next level composers. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to be like, where are you finding these people? Like, how are you doing this? That your composers are so amazing. And really, it's what draws me to a ton of these indies is what's the soundtrack like? And anymore, I'm not going to AAA games for my soundtrack. I'm going to indies for them because I know the indies are significantly more likely yeah. to come out with an astounding product. Nice. So, uh, so before we jump to our official uh, top three games of the year, uh, our friend Brandon he's sent in a list of some of his tops, 
His top five games for the year are Dead Cells, Hollow Knight, The Messenger, God of War, Celeste. His best remake or remaster is Shadow of the Colossus. And he also sent us some most anticipated games of 2019, but we're going to save that, though, for next Oh, it's a episode. mystery, everybody. Now, I do want to do a quick, um, not, not, not even caveat, just a quick mention. One of the primary reasons that Hollow Knight is still very much in everybody's mind, even though it didn't come out in 2018, it had a bunch of DLC come out this year. So it had two DLC. I think one was like Grim Troop and the other one was about Hornet that both came out this year. For Hollow Knight? For Hollow Knight. Oh. Yeah, I it had that. some big DLC come out this year. So I think that's part of why Hollow Knight is still very much kind of in And it the, made its Switch debut this year. I it did, too. exactly. So the, all of those things combined make Hollow Knight still very relevant and still very much worth a play. For God's sake, people, if you have. The spiritual fortitude, which I do not, <laughs> but if, but if you tried, want to, yeah, it is fortitude. it's it's taxing to say the least. But if you have the mechanical ability and the spiritual fortitude, you can play Hollow Knight. Play Hollow Knight and enjoy it. Boom. Follow Knight. Follow I'm going to make my own game called, called Follow, Follow Knight. Knight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, then let's bring let's wrap it up then with our favorite games of the year, which I know we've probably talked about these. So people probably, there's not a whole lot of mystery surrounding these, but what are your top three? So my top three, Stardew Valley, number three. Uh, we've already talked about why. Mm -hmm. I feel like I really don't need to expand on yep. it. Number one, we've also already touched on Octopath Traveler. I've already said all of this, but I cannot say it enough because I want people to play it so very badly. Octopath Traveler is one of the best JRPGs I have ever played. Ever. Like, period. And this is coming off of another game series that I adore, the Bravely series. Right. I love Bravely Default. I love Bravely Second. But Octopath Traveler, which is by kind of the same team that worked on those games, takes everything that was good about them, tweaks it just a little, and somehow made it better. Nice. One of the things that I think I always kind of got a little annoyed with with the Bravely series is that a lot of the character dialogue and the characterization was very stereotypical of what you might accept what what you might expect from a JRPG. You're like, "Wow, so this is really characters A, B, C, and D, very cookie-cutter kind of copy and paste." Yeah. Which isn't necessarily bad, and in a lot of ways they did try to expand on that if you actually play the games. But at first impression, you're like, "Oh, okay, this is my healer girl. This is my fighter dude. This is my fighter dude, but he has like a dark, scary past. This is my fighter girl, and she's like kind of spunky. And that's very much Bravely's, uh, not Bravely's. Well, yes, Bravely's. Oh my God, I still get them confused all the time. That's very much Bravely's approach. Mm -hmm. Whereas Octopath Traveler, by, by virtue of having eight total characters that you actively play all the time, it gave a feeling of so much more... So much more variability and the ability to change out your party at will at any time with the exception of the character that you choose at the beginning was a much loved feature for me. Mm -hmm. The brave system of being able to actually um, 
you know, how you use your battle points in combat. That's a fantastic take on the Brave system from the Bravely Games. And everything about it was just super engaging. I never got tired of fights. Even little fights with, like, super common monsters. One of the personal ways that you can always challenge yourself is uh, domination. Mm -hmm. So, of course, anytime that you're in a fight, you can earn experience points, job points, and uh, what's it called? Money? I don't know. What they, leaves. Leaves. They call them leaves. And I was like, okay, leaves of money. I got you. <laughs> you can earn money, job points, and experience points. And if you happen to wipe out all of the enemies all in one turn, like with just one turn of your four characters, you then get a domination because you did it all in one turn. And that's a feature that they really encouraged in the Bravely series, but made better in Octopath. Mm -hmm. Octopath is just such a good example of learning from a development perspective. Nice. And I cannot say enough good things about it. Anyone and everyone should play Octopath, even if you don't play JRPGs. It is definitely in my future. 10 out of 10. 1,000 out of 10. Fender, no. Would recommend. See, Fender agrees with me. Oh my God. I hope everyone could hear that. He's really jazzed about Octopath Traveler. <laughs> he barked real loud. He barked real loud. He borked real loud. Uh, so that so those are your top three then. Uh, I oh. actually didn't mention my second. Oh, sorry. So the number two that I oh, haven't right. mentioned, <laughs> yeah, but that is very much still in my heart and mind is Monster Hunter World. Oh yeah. So even though my problems with the game are well documented and still hold true. Quick recap. Campaign, single player, you have to sludge through a lot of stuff. Correct. And then matchmaking is difficult. Matchmaking freaking blows. Right. Uh, so the uh, point of my frustrations with Monster Hunter World are that from about levels 1 through about 14 or 15, you are in mandatory single player campaign mode, right. which means that, yes, you technically can join your friends in online play, but only if you have already done XYZ things at every single level. And it is so frustrating to not be able to instantly join your friends in fights, even though the only difference is that they watched a cutscene and you haven't. That right. is stupid. So there's a lot of stuff about Monster Hunter that I really, really hate, but that does not negate, it does take away from, but it doesn't negate my love of the game as a whole. Monster Hunter World is such a unique take on an online RPG. The ability to fight these massive monsters as a team with your friends and randos, mostly the Japanese, who primarily use bows, and you're like, thank you, the Japanese. <laughs> Appreciate you. Good job. The, the ability to both um, join up with randos at will, assuming you're at the right level, and to join up with your friends and just fight these colossal monsters, it's a really fun take on an online game, and I really enjoy it once you actually get to the point right. where you can actually do that in the game. So, I really can't say that I'm too super charmed by the soundtrack. The graphics are pretty amazing for the monsters. Uh, the ability to make uh, different armor sets and weapons is fantastic. The armor and weapon trees are really fun from an RPG perspective of setting your loadouts, making sure all of your items are upgraded. RPG players tend to love that kind of stuff, and Monster Hunter has that in spades. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the gameplay. It's very good. I mean, really, there's nothing that 
goes wrong, I would say, when you're actually fighting a monster, except mm. for user error. I mean, if I miss the monster because I'm slamming down with my hunting horn and it has already turned away and gone to the other side of the map, it's like, well, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my bad. That's on me. And it's still fun. Even when you die, even when you wind up getting almost no gold because you died a lot, right. it's still really fun. Good. Awesome. So, those would be my top three of the year. With the a- announcement of the new DLC coming for that game, and that you'll be able to be Geralt of Rivia as a playable character, I'm highly considering jumping so, in. I couldn't give fewer flimflams, we'll say, about Gerald of Riviera. Don't care about him at all. Literally not even a little bit. But... Uh, one of the core complaints of a lot of gamers for Monster Hunter World specifically is that in terms of monsters, they all have elemental types, right? Right. There are almost no ice and water type monsters which in Monster Hunter like World, what, which this new DLC pack appears to be very much themed around ice, which hopefully means more ice and water animals, not animals, monsters, which is very much wanted. So I love that they are doing this. It seems very much to be a DLC pack that will meet player desires, mm-hmm. which kudos to them. If it were more Thunder-type uh, monsters, I think people would go to Capcom's uh, headquarters and burn it down. There you go. <laughs> no there more you Thunder it. monsters, please. <laughs> well, my top three, starting out, am I actually somewhat, I'm somewhat torn on this. <gasps> oh, wait. Now, these need to be of 2018 games. I was trying to... No, crap. Is this blue live degradation? I'm trying to decide if I need to... If I can include a game not from this year. Of course you can. If you played... I mean, Stardew came out last year. That's true. But we only played it this year. That is true. That is true. So I'm going to count this then. I'm going to roll with my... I'm going to roll with this. So, my number three is kind of a hard toss-up here. In between Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze... And Guacamelee too. Oh, bro. That's a hard one. Okay, so my gut reaction is Guac 2. Because you get to be a chicken. Which is honestly where I think I land. Who doesn't want to be a chicken? Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze was a lot of fun, but I think I had even more fun with Guacamelee 2 and experiencing it. And plus, because I did have the past experience of Guacamelee, Guacamelee 2 really did. It's kind of what you're talking with Octopath. It's like they expounded on what was great about it and made that even better. I really don't have many complaints exactly. about Guacamelee 2. What's there to complain about? Donkey that Kong, the chicken have, isn't cute enough? I know. And now you can be Portillo from Gritty and everything. You can be Shirtless Arachnid Man. It's great. So, and I think, honestly, too, just what it is, what the game is, what it stands for, and how well the platforming, the platforming gets difficult but never overbearing. Which, for me, as one who I said in our Discord earlier this week, I was like, honestly, platformers are the most frustrating game type for me of all. They're not your fave. But I do we, love we them every this. once in a while. And Guacamelee 2 is the, is the uh, going blank on the word, it is the high point of that for me, I guess, from this year. And so I really, really, really enjoyed that game. All of its cultural references and, not all, and also, too, it's one of those that gets you more excited about the Mexican culture as a whole. And I think that's a... Which we in, we in Texas, obviously, we need more of that all the time. Do. We definitely do. And so there's that game has just a lot of fun to play. You get a lot of laughs, some chuckles. There's some, you know, and then the boss fights are a lot of fun in it too. And also the more, the one thing about it that I feel like kind of sets it apart from other platforms is how combo heavy the, the combat is, which can really set up some really fun 
incredibly enjoyable fights. And I think that's why that one for me hits in my number three, my, and that one is like I said, from this year. So the one that I was kind of wondering if I should include it, but I'm going to include it as my number two, Hellblade Sinua's Sacrifice. Ooh, man. I actually forgot that even from my recap of like fee and stuff. Yeah. Hellblade. Hellblade oh my gosh. Was outstanding. What I, was I thinking? Knew from when I was first go when I first heard about Hellblade, and it was about a year from when it came out to when I was able to play it. And I knew that I was gonna have I was gonna enjoy the game. It looked right up my alley with the with the heavy Norse influences and you know, in and not influences, just setting. And I was excited for it. I and I knew that it's you know, with its what its subject matter was gonna be more not necessarily uh, this like rough and tumble action adventure story, but more of Sinua's dealing with her mental illness. Yeah. The way the game explored that topic told Sinua's story, but then also still had engaging combat and engaging small, but yet still engaging environmental puzzles that you had to solve through and drive and stellar story. I think sets Hellblade Sinua's sacrifice apart as a truly outstanding game. I mean, I still think of the puzzle of Valraven. Valraven, the whole. Val- I feel Robin like the entire Valraven section was amazing. And I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed one. Suter when you're when you're uh, or Suter, how do you, however you say it. Uh, I enjoyed Cert. Thank you. I enjoyed that section well because where it's like you had to race through the rings of fire and all that sort of stuff. I thought that was a really really well done. But then Valraven was. Just great. like illusory puzzles and things that are real or maybe aren't real. I love that kind of so stuff. Good. And it was just very well. And the execution was very interesting. I love that they approached not even just Val Robbins levels, but all of the other levels as well. They seem to come at them from these really unique tries. And I love that about Hellblade. Mm-hmm. Which is the one where you're in total darkness uh, and you have to rely heavily on audio and on sound to find your way when around. You're, oh crap, I can't remember it's the name. It's when you're doing it's one of the, the, the Odin's. Beast. It's the beast. Um, oh, no, no, no. Oh, the trials. Yeah, it's Odin's trials, right? Or whatever they call yeah, yeah, it, yeah. where you're trying to get your fancy sword. Yeah, and it's only sound. Yeah. You get Grimir. Yeah. When Grimir. You're to, I'm when sorry you're I'm butchering to, it so that's bad. Fine. When, you're trying to, when you're trying to uh, be able to get Grimir and you're going through and you're completing these seven trials, I believe. And the one, yeah, where it's complete darkness and it, you solely have to rely on audio cues. It was ridiculous. Fantastic. It was great. Amazing. So hard. It was hard, but it was so good. Yeah. Um, so that game was outstanding. You should definitely give that a play. It's from Ninja Theory. Uh, Tamim Antionades is the director of that one. And so... We do. We have reviews of all these things. I will say that. Uh, we'll go. I'll. Let's see. So, like, Hellblade was back on. Whoops, I got way too far back on all this stuff. As I go through the year here, episode one. Uh, Hellblade was episode one thirty-two. So you can go back and listen to that. Guacamole two was episode one thirty-five. What were your games again? Octopath. Octopath. It would have been back in it what was... July. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, Monster Hunter World. We talked about that one with Cody, with Cody Peck. That was episode one. Oh, yeah. And I still played the game with good old Cody. Uh, sorry. I thought I just saw this and now it's, it's eluding my gaze. Thanks for nothing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, another game that I played this year that we did talk about that I ah, somehow forgot about. Is, is Octopath Traveler. And then Stardew Valley was obviously like 146. Rhyme. Oh, oh man. Yeah, I rhyme. forgot about Rhyme. Very, 147 for Stardew. Ooh. Ah, man, I might have to rethink my listings. 
Rhyme was really good. It was a great one. Yeah. Uh, your review of it oh was Oh my gosh. Crying. So much crying. Like, you'd be like crying just talking about it. Uh, yeah. Rhyme is awesome. And I would recommend it to anyone. Maybe, then, maybe not maybe not Fender, but other people. Yeah, he doesn't have thumbs. It'd be hard. Poor Fender. But my number one, if you hadn't guessed, is God of War. I've sung its praises enough. I don't really feel like I need to go into that one enough anymore than I already have. But just a truly outstanding experience of a game. Everything from the direction by Corey Barlog down to the music, the art direction, everything was just Christopher Judge. Christopher Judge's Kratos, all of it was just great. And if you're looking for a, again, a highly emotional journey, a truly riveting story, and outstanding combat, got, look no further than God of War. And so that's all. That's all I'm going to say about that since I've talked about it a lot. <laughs> so. <laughs> Wanted to make another quick note here about my top three games of the year. Obviously, I'm missing Assassin's Creed Odyssey and or Red Dead Redemption 2. They're not in my top three just because I haven't finished them yet. So that's the only reason they're not in my top three. Just didn't want any confusion. Back to the show. And there we have it, everyone. I feel like that's our year in review. Sorry, this is a little bit longer of an episode, but yeah, hey, we always say they're going to be short, and then... We always say that before we start, and then we're like, oh, yeah, here we sit an hour and a half later. Whoops. But here we go. There was a lot of fun stuff and great stuff that came out in 2018. Looking forward to an outstanding 2019. Some very exciting things, I think, on the horizon coming up for there. Uh, so, but we'll obviously talk about that in our next episode, which is our most anticipated games for 2019. But that won't be until January 8th episode, because like I said again, we're taking a holiday break to rest, recharge, and really plant, hit the new year fresh. We deserve it. We do deserve it. We've done a great job this year. We have. Speaking of doing a great job, can't close out this year without talking about, again, and thanking everyone for the outstanding and resounding yeah. success of our very first Extra Life. I mean, really, like stream. all of that thank you goes out to our followers and our followers everyone, and who, everyone donated. who donated. But not astounding. Only, but not only them, but also for our guests that we had on Chess and his wife playing uh, the Kirok. Spider-Man board game, Kirok and Fuchsia, all of whom Absolutely. did an outstanding job on their time slots for us. It was a great great day again for everyone who wasn't or doesn't know we set a goal of a thousand dollars honestly i think in our we never said it out loud publicly but in both of our in both of our minds we were thinking we'd be cool it'd be cool if we hit 500 yeah well we, we raised 1085 dollars so we, uh, we yeah. surpassed our goal which was crazy for i feel like for our i first mean year we definitely it. weren't expecting it and we could not have done it without the people who partnered with us and of course everyone who watched and donated to the stream yes it was a, it was an incredibly fun day it was a great time and we'll probably do it again oh absolutely we loved it so much of I'll course we're gonna do sure. it again <laughs> so thank you again to everyone who took part in next life 2018 but before we go as is usual and as is our tradition we have to do our soundtrack spotlight and I feel like it's a it's time to revisit one that we both talked about loving absolutely with all of our hearts and hit both of our lists. We're gonna feature music again from Octopath Traveler. Woo! Octopath. Octopath. Everything Traveler. about Octopath is wonderful. Should we do the main theme or should we do one of like one of the character themes? So when we did our most recent soundtrack episode, I believe I featured music from Cyrus's theme. Yes, you did. So we can't do Cyrus, but we can do any of the other amazing characters. Let's do Hanit's theme then. Hanit's theme. Hanit's theme. Or Hanit, I don't know. Because that's the character I chose when I played through the... Uh, to the demo. Indeed. <laughs> it's based on the word. Good enough. I've been talking for a while now. Hana is also one of my personal favorites in my party. If you give her the subcategory of apothecary, she becomes 
virtually unkillable because she has so much health and because of her uh sub what do you call them um her passive abilities she has one that is called like passive strike where at the end of the turn you have a probability of some odd percentage of giving an getting an extra hit in just for fun along with her passive ability of what's it called second strike which basically gives you the exact same thing oh yeah one of them gives you one extra turn at the end of the turn the other one second strike gives you the uh probability of getting in two hits mm. for the price of one basically she does like quadruple damage than what you think she's going to and you almost can't kill her Hanit. Hanit. love her to pieces so now Enjoy Hanit's theme as we close out this episode. Hanit's theme was composed by the composer of the Octopath Traveler soundtrack, Yasunori Nishiki. And so this is Hanit's theme after the close of the episode, which is now. Thank you, everyone, for listening for this episode of our year in review. And like I said, a new episode of Teen Chat Podcast will resume back on January 8th, 2019. We'll see you in the new year. Everyone, enjoy the holidays. Enjoy spending time with everyone. Play some great games. Play some great games. New or old. Just play games. Any of them. Anything you choose. We'll see you in the new year, everyone. Thanks for listening. Stick around for the song.